0: and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. Monday night, we are back after a win over here. I am your host, as always, Timuchin here in Chicago, providing you with the weather report. It is freaking crispy and cold, I have to say. It is typical Halloween trick-or-treating weather, like 40 degrees high, occasional crappy rain and stuff like that. And with us, Alan is already with us from Houston. And with us, as always, is Gally. Gally, what is happening?
1: Yeah, you know, just preparing for trick or treating here as well, like uh, cold weather, rain, wind, knocking out street lights, you know, everything that's safe about kids getting dressed up in dark costumes and walking around at night. I've always, it never made any sense to me, this whole trick or treating thing. I always felt like it was like the best and the worst of all things wrapped up into one. Um, but I did have a public service announcement for all of you freaked out parents out there no grown-up person is giving your children their drugs so you don't have to inspect that candy it was always the biggest misnomer when i was a kid i always used to think to myself like what person in their right mind is like i got an idea on a drug a bunch of kids people they save those drugs for themselves that's why they're willing to hand out candy to strangers kids I was going to say, yeah, nobody loves your kid that much. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, to be and they don't this. like you. They don't like you that much who rings their doorbell on a random-ass Tuesday night and brings leaves and rain and shit to their front door. And it's like, yeah, can I have some of your shit? Like, again, we all know how I feel about kids begging for shit, but maybe I don't like them asking for candy at my door either. But I do hand it out because I'm not an evil person. I just don't like jersey swaps.
0: Dude, I'll be honest, like, you know, as somebody who is originally from Turkey and, you know, I came here for like, for junior year of college and the whole trick-or-treating concept, the whole concept of Halloween, personally, uh, and I think it's a bit more back home now. I'm not sure uh, they do, like, a kind of, like, a lamer version of it. It's nothing like here, obviously, Uh, but I always found it, like, really odd initially. I was like, little kids exposed to this? Is that really good? Uh, Is that why there are so many crazy people over here kind of a deal? and. You know, obviously since I came as a college student, I did not officially do trick-or-treating except when I was conned into trick-or-treating when I did not even know anything about Halloween because you gotta figure you come here for fall and it was September. And I remember like Aaron and Lisa, they were like, hey, you know, like, "Uh, we're gonna take you, it's gonna be like a truly American experience. And I was like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's going on? They're like, oh, just dress up. I, I obviously, I didn't bring costumes from Turkey over here for college so because I was on the soccer team I went as a soccer player so dressed up uh so I don't even know what we're doing they're like yeah I just grab a pillowcase and stuff and mind you I don't know and being Turkish and Mediterranean you have the five o'clock shadow automatically it's the evening so we're knocking on doors and people are like dude how old are you <laughs> And I was like, I don't even know what we're doing here. Just give me the candy. Because like, I was like going around with like, like a half a five o'clock shadow and everything like that. But I was we um, were recording the Premier League show earlier. Uh, for those of you guys that have like little ones, you're taking trick or treating in freezing cold. You're bitching and moaning uh, with some hot chocolate and stuff like that. We were talking about this with Angie earlier. Uh, you kind of like will miss these days. So grab a hot chocolate, suck it up. Don't be that parent that drives along like a psycho drive-by. Uh, get out of your car, walk with your kids, help them enjoy Halloween, and then share their candy under the cover of sorting them.
1: Sorting. <laughs> I always felt that I got to sort all my candy, and then my dad would just take the shit he liked. And like yeah. I'd be like, wait, how'd that work? I thought you had to, you can only have so many, you can only do so much. He'd be like, Yeah, I pay for the lights, man. <laughs> I'm eating a peanut butter cup. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. And now that I'm old enough and pay for lights, thinking, <laughs> you had a good point. You deserved all that damn candy. You, you I should, I should go buy my dad. I should get my dad one of them big ass bags of candy that you can buy on November 1st, right? For 15% less than what you could That's have got so today. Long. Right? I hope your dad and is. And just listening. bring it to him. Be like, Dad, this is for you for all those years and for keeping the lights on. He'd probably look at me and be like, what am I going to do with this? I'll rot my teeth out. you going to pay for the dentist bill? And I'll be like, no, I'm not. Thanks for having your own insurance.
0: I think even worse, I have your dad is not listening that. You're not even getting it for your dad now, but you're waiting till it goes on sale on November
1: 1st. Actually, to be fair, that would be the only thing that my father would have heard so far in this entire fucking rant. He'd be like, what is this sport that you're talking about that they kick the ball with their feet? What? Soccer? Really? I gotta listen to a soccer podcast and he'd be like, wait, he's gonna save money on November first. That's my son. <laughs> if he could, he'd have trick-or-treating on November 3rd, so that all the candy my mom bought every year would be at a discount.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, that's another thing. Some dads would we'll be proud of that moment and be like, That's my boy thinking smart. So I've taught him well. I can see that. I can see that. So yeah, let's talk cool. about Liverpool stuff. Uh obviously. There will be a lot of uh, there were like s- not a lot of scary moments right this weekend. It was kind of like a smooth sailing overall. I feel like it me, was all three. Let me it ask you this all three. Though, Were you before that goal, the first goal came, and let's face it, that was when Forrest almost like got got like hustled into uh, trying to push up and lose the ball, and they probably one thing that you know Parker told him to avoid being countered on is how we at, is scored were you like what was your level of confidence that a goal is going to come
1: after you know watching the first
0: 20 minutes or so
1: so after the first 20 minutes i did think that it was going to take something kind of to unbreak it it was going to take a mistake by them maybe a set piece that we could you know craft up a play or let's be honest guys like a lot of our breakthroughs this year have been from the penalty spot. I think we've had four wow. different penalty attempts, and three times Mo made it, and the other time he missed and then made it on the rebound. And all of them, I think, were our first goals in games. One of them might have been the second, but it, they were at critical moments, let's yes, say. Definitely. And we have struggled a little bit at creating from open play, less than we have in years past. So I think I was a little concerned. I think my biggest thing in this match was, was – I felt like our attack looked very – our attack between Jota, Mo, Diaz, early even Darwin looked good, and they looked like they were connecting and and linking up, and to me this looked like a match from minute one that Soboslai was going to be the best player on the pitch, and I think he kind of continued that. And when he's playing well, I have more confidence that we'll be able to create something. Almost like we used to when we had, you know, Gerard Suarez and there were players that could actually unlock a defense. And it's been a while since we've had a player like that. And I think that kind of gave me some confidence. But, you know, if I were saying on a percentage, probably like 60 percent confidence, 65. Okay. But That's I didn't fair. feel by any means it was going to be easy. And it ended up, in my opinion, being one of the easiest afternoons I can remember in a long time.
0: Yeah, because these games, I mean, especially when you know, like when we played, I think the Villa game comes to mind and this game are probably like the easiest of the season, right? But, you know, well, not on paper, obviously, but ended up being like the easiest, smoothest wins. But I think with like the Villa game, we kind of expected a team that was not going to play, you know, as a low block and stuff like that, it was a matter of more about probably defending them and not conceding more than anything else and stuff, right? Whereas with Forrest, I think you kind of like was, and we've seen these horror movies, uh, speaking of Halloween, um, where you know somebody parks the bus, we try, we huff, we puff, and then they get a stupid set piece or a counter or something like that, and then they score the goal. We've lost a lot of points like that over the years, so there's that always that worry. I think the midfield right now, the way it is, gives you hope that something can be opened up because all three of them have the ability to create something out of nothing. Because I think that's probably like, as I watched the game, that was my original thought. I know what you thought, but compared to the past, especially with Diaz, and we'll talk about, you know, his horrible situation uh, as we go, but with Diaz not on the left-hand side, normally in a game like this in the past, it would all be on Mo and it just felt like that wasn't the case anymore. The goal could come from like different places and not rely on, let's see what Mo is going to do.
1: Yeah. And I think that starts with having creative players in the midfield. I think it also starts with, I thought Jota had a very good game on the left, which I don't normally ever say, and I'm yep. never a big proponent or fan of, but, um, I've made comments, and I know I can be a bit of a Darwin apologist, not nearly like some of the other people on this channel. we oh, yeah, got worse. We yeah, have worse. The bar is oh, high. <laughs> Please. 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 Um, I, I consider myself a supporter of the man, not anyone that's in his actual corner or on the hype team. I mean, he's got actual like people that I think are on the payroll here at American Scouser. Um, but, <laughs> I I thought his runs were really good all match long, actually moving defenders around and creating space. And we've talked about that for a while now. He probably doesn't get enough credit for a lot of the good things he's starting to do because he still has the big glaring misses. Um, But I think he's starting to figure out how his actions on the pitch actually work to make other players around him better. And I think we see that with, with, with Mo, but more importantly than anything, I think what we see is is that there is a creative spark on both the left and the right side of this midfield when you have graven birch and sobasly lined up and then when you add in the fact that there's an argument on his day that McAllister is every bit if not more creative than both of them if he's allowed to deploy forward and i think in a match like this where they wanted to play on the counter, but didn't come out to the counter. They didn't have a target man who could hold the ball up. This is where McAllister in the six kind of feels like house money, because it feels like playing with two number tens and a number eight instead of a six and eight and a slightly more creative player. And I think that had Birch been up for the races, it might have been even it might have been even quicker that the goals came and everything happened. I felt like he was a little bit off his game, almost looked like he might have played a bit few too many minutes recently and might need a little bit of a breather himself. See, that's
0: funny you say that because I know we were like talking about this and I know somebody like in the morning show mentioned it as well in terms of like minutes, uh, you know, having played Thursday and, you know, played really well too. Do you think it was tire legs or, I mean, to me, it almost felt like the places he struggled was when we were doing our really fine interplay. And look he looked more like a guy who just joined the team as opposed to a guy who's been there for a while. Because he was always he was in the play, but it was always <coughs> half a second late. So instead of controlling the ball and being able to shoot with it, he was ah, oh, he could just barely reach it. Or the touch was not as good because he was half a second late. It was definitely great looking for the future, but you kind of saw glimpses, was like, hey, this dude
1: actually just got here well and i I think when I say like needs a rest, I think it was as much mental as it is like actually physically tired. I think he's thinking every second he's on the pitch, and I think he's clearly also very mentally he has a high mental i q for the game because we've seen this before players yeah. don't get this many important minutes this quick at this club like He'd be trotting yeah. out Harvey Elliott, even if Birch is the better player, if he thought Elliott was more mentally prepared. I think he believes in Birch. I think now Birch had two or three really good sub appearances, got a couple starts. And I think with all that, you start thinking a little bit more. You start trying to put yourself, plug yourself in. He wants that goal. He wants a league goal to make up for the big miss. Like there's so many different things True. still yeah. coming through, in my opinion that I think he's pressing a little bit. And I think nobody in the long run will be better off than Ryan Gravenberts that Curtis Jones is about to come back. Because I think they start like flip-flopping games in the league and in Europa and in the League Cup. And I think it starts to help start to give him a little bit more. But I will say this. Anyone who thought that they bought this player and Klopp didn't have like this high of a level of mindset on him, when you see the minutes he's getting this quick, like – in an ideal world, he's playing all of these midfielders whenever he can. It's going to be really interesting when Curtis Jones is healthy because he hasn't done anything to lose his spot other than maybe getting a questionable red card.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, I feel like I mean, anytime you hear Klopp talking about him, he's almost giddy when he talks about Gravenberg, like in terms of the possibilities. He sounds like a mad scientist, like <laughs> the things I can do kind of a thing all the time. Anytime he talks about him. And, you know, Let's go back to that midfield because you mentioned McAllister. And I think that was like, you know, do because we talked about it. I think it was last week we talked about how we might be actually losing his best qualities by, you know, parking him and making him a number six. Is he perhaps a lot better suited for these games to be the six? Because you are now getting creativity out of your defensive midfielder as well. Or is it because I was slightly worried about this Nottingham Forest game on the counter until i saw elanga and i was like i think speed we can deal with like having uh what's his name iwani yes uh you know having him i felt like would have been a much bigger challenge because he has that strength it's almost like sometimes when we struggle playing against like there are games where we struggle against like a player like that like you know sometimes antonio gives you fits and stuff like that so I was more worried about it in terms of counter that way. When a team does not have as much of a threat, when we play a a Luton Town, a Sheffield United and stuff like that, is he almost better suited to play there because he can bring an extra layer of creativity from now, well, the back five, if you will, with the back line?
1: Yeah, and I think it, well, I mean, Maybe we will. Maybe we won't talk about Trent's in-depth performance and, and yes, we will talk about Trent. Trust me, I was going to. So ask. I yeah. figured we were gonna. I figured we'd get there. I didn't think we were getting through a pod without you voicing your displeasure with <laughs> Um, but I know, but I think I think when you, I think if you are playing a team that you have to worry about hitting you or having possession against you, you know, I think when we play Arsenal next, when we play City. I don't think he'll start Endo against City. I don't. Yeah. I think he should. I really do. And I hope maybe a couple performances between now and then gives him the confidence to do it. Because I think that type of a match is where you need a true sitting holding number six that isn't venturing too far forward and is only thinking about playing the sixth role. I also think that's a 7.30 in the morning game coming off of another international break. Yeah. And if we haven't learned anything, McAllister does throw in a stinker after flying halfway across the world and playing 180 minutes or whatever he plays every time Argentina plays two or three friendlies. Um, So I would like to see Endo play. I don't know if he will, but I think in some ways you, you kind of have to be prepared for both. And I think when we're playing these teams that are going to play the low block, it's not as big of a deal, especially if we're not pushing our fullbacks as far forward as we have in the past that I think you you can let McAllister do what he does, and I will say I, I think Klopp is starting to just fall for McAllister at the six in the mindset that like we don't need another six because I don't know where he'd play him. Let's say we signed Andre right now. Where um, are, are you starting McAllister? Are you starting Solvesly? Are you starting Gravenbridge? And what about Curtis Jones?
0: I think now is the only name, right, that is already pre-penciled in, you would that's... think, right? And, um, yeah, I mean, that is your really, it's almost like now you have three names. These are great problems to have, by the way. Problems we did not have for the last three, four years. Uh, but, yeah, you have almost like three names now for that last spot. If you get an actual six, that's going to be there. And I think you're right. I just hope... We're not thinking of it long term because if something happens to Mac, clearly we don't feel as confident with Ando. And the concern I have with Ando is I know you've talked about this before uh, about, you know, the team he's coming from as a as a player that's used to maybe not always having the ball as much, you know, like playing against the Bayerns and stuff like that. Um, he does tend to backpedal a lot. And before you know it, he's parked right next to the center backs. And I think that's probably the biggest concern I have with him playing against like a team like City. Not to mention a good team like City that can pull you out of position. And I think that's kind of like what I worry about with Ando playing that role. But I know what you mean in terms of getting an actual six to do it. The fact that we have some time to see him more, where he is playing in a team that is constantly having the ball and constantly attacking, maybe we'll get in that understanding of where to be. I just, I just knowing Klopp, man, I just don't think he will ever have that confidence this fast. And that kind of answers the Andre question too. I don't think Andre comes in in January and he's like, move over Mac. I got this.
1: No, no. And if Andre comes in, then it's just for, you know, for the long haul. Um, It's for, for the long term and it's probably to be the true replacement for fabinho in the starting 11 and in, in the main uh format I, I i do agree with you i don't i think the more we can see him which is why i think it's important to win on wednesday against bournemouth because it's a match in december in the league cup and possibly two more in the semifinals, right and i think those are important i also yeah. think that it's important that we pers- you know progress in europe Excuse me. And in the FA Cup, I think right now we actually have a deep enough side where we're questioning who's going to play and how and when those minutes will come. And we need minutes for these players. And that's I I think it's probably something we've overlooked because Klopp has at times taken some of these cup competitions for granted and kind of voluntarily pushed us out of them. Um, And we never rotate it because we've been in the Champions League and Klopp wants to win it every single year. And I think you know Brian says uh, he'll never play against the top
0: six. He'll get his minutes against the bottom half on Cup runs. And I think, yeah, I think we're kind of in agreement on that overall unless like he has a uh, he had like shows like over time that he can because I mean, I really like his passing, you know, when you watch them on Thursdays, like he's between the line passing and stuff like that. But you got a lot out of like out of from Mac this week. I mean, his passing in between the lines, getting the ball to Sabostai and Gravenberg and stuff was like exceptional. And obviously he starts the first goals counterattack by doubling up over there and winning the ball and releasing right away. I like the fact that he looks for the fast release. And not only that, He has a threat of coming at you as well, which you did not get as much from Fabinho. He's definitely a different type of six. I mean, Fabinho did not have the speed either, but you did not see him pushing up as much as a threat. He was more about getting the ball to somebody who's going to do something with it. But speaking of passing between lines, uh, let's talk about the center backs. Because I thought this was, in terms of on the ball, one of Konate's best games and wish Pipper was here this week so we can talk about van dyke and how great he played i'm not one of those guys that suddenly is like van dyke is back kind of thing but i think we saw we're seeing more of more of the old van dyke he's never going to be as fast and stuff like that but even like battling with Alanga and stuff like that it felt like they were trying that side more uh, on those long balls when they tried to release Alanga and he handled it very almost like comfortably like the
1: old van dyke would by far by far the best i've seen virgil van dyke this calendar year in 2023 damn yeah, that statement man it's almost i win here no but i'm for, yeah, for, you're, right, you know, you're right i i'm not trying to and i'm not and i'm not one who bashed him but i was one who questioned it right like what are the best days behind them you know, how much longer can we warrant the contract? Do you have to look at a fee if someone came in with the right price? Like I've I've said it, so I'll I'll hold my hand up and say it. Um, besties look this calendar year. That said, I think the competition had something to do with it. I think the fact that they put a longa up there, I mean, I for some reason thought that Chris Wood was healthy. I think if Chris Wood had started that game, and you had had, like, Morgan Gibbs White running off him, they would have just played long, direct balls to him, and it might have been a harder task. Um, You know, they really miss Brennan Johnson, is what I see, watching this team. Definitely, yeah. Because he offered them movement, and he offered them a, the ability to run behind, but he also offered them an actual goal scoring, like a goal-creating opportunity. He could create a goal for someone else, or he could score a world-class goal. And I still think, like, You know, we keep talking about how well this Spurs team is and how much they're overachieving, and people forget that Brendan Johnson hasn't even vetted in with them yet. It's going to get better for Spurs when him and Son and them start playing together. They're playing Richarlison over Brendan Johnson, which makes me question whether Brendan Johnson's ever going to fit in if (laughs) Richarlison's getting his minutes. But um, I I do – I think their tactics were wrong, and that helped Virgil a little bit. But I do think what I saw the most was his – his awareness. He looked yes. like he knew he had to cover for Simakas at times. He was in the right positions. I thought, like you, I thought Kanate uh, was good. I saw some people online criticizing him. Matip should have started. He looks lazy. I Coming off that performance, if you're criticizing anyone in the back four, it's the guy wearing double number sixes who basically was invisible, uh, other than the three times he kicked the ball straight at an opponent's forehead. Uh, when trying to avoid him and miss him in a wall. If I were a player on the opposing team's, I would not be getting in walls against Liverpool <laughs> because there is zero chance that Alexander Arnold's going to clear the wall. Has he has he cleared a wall this season on a free kick? The first man defending.
0: I can't can't remember. He had a couple of good ones, didn't he, that went wide and stuff? But I know what you mean. The percentage is definitely – if you're a betting man, if Tonali
1: is betting uh, that's Yeah, if if Tonali's on the pitch, he's (laughs) betting that Sly should take the next fucking free kick. That's the truth. We got a guy with a wand of a foot, and he's not even getting a sniff because he's either got to fight off Mo kicking a ball into Ed. Or Trent kicking it into some fucking guy's forehead on the other team. Like, yeah, especially the one that Mo took,
0: I thought it was going to be a Sabo slide just because of the distance. And I'm it was because instead of like, a, you know, going up and down, like more like a direct shot, what that Sabo slide would be a lot better at. And when we've seen these free kicks in the past. But yeah, I agree. I don't know. I think, you know, normally, and I've said this before, you know, like normally in a game like this, I would prefer Matip. Just because what he can bring in terms of stepping up with the ball. And maybe that's why I was kind of like pleasantly surprised with what Konate did. He did not, maybe people expect more of like a matchup like drive up with the ball out of that center back position. Uh, But we saw a lot more of like passing between the lines and finding the open man and stuff like that. And passes that were not. Passes you could control and move with as opposed to, you know, passes that were shot in there like out of a cannon or too soft that were intercepted that you can barely touch back and stuff like that. I thought he did extremely well, but I agree that if there was a player out there and I know I get black all the time because I know, and I have nothing against the kid. I love the kid. But if you look at, if we saw Trent's performance, and more importantly his body language that's like my biggest beef I think like from watching this game if we saw that in another team we would say how did they make this guy call captain the way he carries himself at times I know he was very frustrated but he was very visibly frustrated when I know he's trying to run around and get that ball in the middle and create but it's almost like you got to still play within the system and if you don't get it you don't get it you open up the space for McAllister, which is what was happening. The teams, he is that good that I feel like the teams would rather take their chance with McAllister playing the ball rather than transgating and building it, which is a great problem to have because you have both guys who can create from that spot, but you sometimes have to be the decoy and let the team win. He was just so visibly frustrated and his body language, like, sulking when he didn't get it or didn't get it the way he wanted it, just was, like, not fun thing to watch, let's put it that way. Am I being too harsh? I don't
1: think you're being too harsh. Um, and, I mean, you were talking to the guy because I am basically, like, Mr. Body Language Police seeing the fact that I'm basically <laughs> ready. I read shit into everything I see, right? Whether it's... I, I read shit into what we look like during shows. I'm like, wow, he's really disappointed with that comment. Um, but, no, I I... I think you are spot on. His body language is poor. I, I, I too. You know, you mentioned earlier. You wish Bickler were here tonight. I wish he were here because he's mentioned this before in the past. Yes. Especially when we would talk about the four-three-three, right? And like our tactics when we were in the four-three-three, we built our entire positional tactics on the whole pitch yeah. around our right back being our primary creative player. We built up. Trent Alexander-Arnold, literally into world-class talent from the kid who started a random-ass match at Old Trafford on a day nobody knew that we had a kid yep. with two last names, right? No one knew we had a kid with two first names hyphenated as his last name that would turn out to be a world-class talent and within three years would have started two Champions League finals before yep. his 20th birthday. But he also read all those press clippings. And he went to training every day with players, like great players. And the focus was around him and his unique skill set. And I'm starting to question whether or not he doesn't feel lost in this current setup. Because it's no longer about him, it really isn't. Yeah. Even if you think about what we talk about last year, even at our worst points, what did we talk about? How you couldn't take Trent off the pitch no matter how poorly he defended because yeah. of everything he gave you going forward and he makes the thing go and all this. I think there's an argument that two or three times this year we've looked our best when Gomez has been playing at right back. and And I think that has to hurt him. And I think he's going to have to, like, come to grips with the fact that there is a torch being passed, that, like, Darwin is going to be talked about a lot. Good, bad, or indifferent, he's a lightning rod. They write articles about him, and he's very good. I think Sobislai playing in front of him is greatly almost depressing him, because it's all the places he used to get into on the pitch. And I, I just, I I, I I don't know that we've ever had that conversation, like mentally, if Trent is a little lost right now. And in some ways, I wonder if that wasn't part of the reason Klopp handed him the vice armband. Was like, oh, that's I need ch- to challenge him. I, I'm just. I'm,
0: do you think he is, or is it, I almost feel like it's a little bit of like the frustration of the coming from the pressure where it shouldn't be there anymore. Like, you know, last year when we had the midfield that we had, we relied on his creativity. We moved him over there, worked like a charm. People started adjusting. We readjusted, finished out the season on a high note. And I feel like I'm sure he knows. We've talked about it before. This is my entire case of, him, you know, moving him back to, you know, right back is the fact that, you know, we talk about how it affects Kanate and how it affects Robertson and stuff like that. And I'm sure he realizes that, you know, everything is being adjusted for him to be in this creative role. So I think he almost gets over frustrated when he can't create because he knows this whole thing is built on me. Whereas it's not anymore. Like he almost feels like last year's pressure when that pressure is not here anymore. And I do it, I understand that him being in that role does have Sabaslai a lot. Because like you said, Sabaslai is in spaces where normally you would see trends, and it's working well with Mo, so I understand that, and that could be part of the frustration. But I feel like he's just like we built this unnecessary pressure on the kid too. I mean, he's not as much of a kid oh. anymore, but still.
1: I do think you're right, though. I think, and I think part of that is, is he got all this pressure, and then he had all these rewards. And I think like last year was really tough on him. I think missing the World Cup, I don't think he'll ever actually communicate how hard how much that hurt him not being at the World Cup last year with his teammates. And I just think it was a really, really tough twelve months for the kid. I think he you know, he cut his hair. I think he did everything he thought he could do to like change it all. Bring sex to but in a way I feel like what he didn't do is he didn't bring back that Trent Alexander-Arnold everyone was expecting. He he doesn't look like he's the best fullback in the Premier League, let alone the best. There was a period 2 years ago, I remember one of my buddies was like, "He's not the best defend he's not the best fullback in the Premier League. He's the best player in the Premier League." Like that was what he was yeah. saying, like Like, like he is, he is going to be a perennial best player in the league and he's going to win it from fullback. Like, and you know, I know we've said this before, oh, he's the best right back in the world. He's not the best right back in the world. I, Akimi is a better right back right now. He defends better. He's just as good going forward. There are good players across the world that play these positions and I think
0: Is that because we
1: lost what we got out of him, though, by changing I I mean, because you
0: still see, like, was it this game? Like, you saw him on the right wing, and he, you know, does his cross. The dude's delivery is great on the ball when he gets those spaces. And we almost, like, took that away from him in some ways. And like you say, I realize it was a necessity last year, but it is not anymore. Is it time to kind of give that back to him? And more importantly, though, is that going to take a little bit away from, like, Sobosla, you think?
1: So I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to say the thing nobody ever wants to hear. Oh. It all works back out again when Mo's gone. Because you alter the formation in a way that allows for Trent to work with Silversley on the right. And maybe you're playing with more of like a two up top. You play with more of a four, two, three, one. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you, That's where I think we reshift. And I do think, and we've talked about this, I think we've been evolving towards that. And I don't want Mo to leave, but if Mo were to leave this summer for huge money and you reinvest it properly, there are formational you can actually change your formation now. We wanted Klopp to change the formation two years ago yeah. to try to make Navy work, to try to get more out of ox. Now Carvalho. we have young Carvalho, now we have young, more talented players in their primes to actually fit into those parts and play these different formations, I, I'm going to raise my hand. I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if he will do it, but could I see a world where Trent gets to be more of a right back and Sobislai be more of a right-sided attacking midfielder that attacks a little bit further? And then, I mean, Sobislai and Trent interchanging on the right would be pretty scary for teams, especially yes. if they're crossing the ball to Gakpo and Nunez in the middle. And yeah. maybe that's what it ends up being maybe we end up with a two up top type of a formation with nunez and Gakpo playing off each other which might play to each other's strengths and and you get jones and so like, i don't know if it'll work my it point makes is, is too much
0: sense for it not to happen let's put it that way
1: <laughs> right Does, i mean i'm not trying to it, it and that's a world without mo yes. and that's not one that anyone here is voting for don't yell at galley i mean you're going to anyways but um i just To me, it just looks to me like Klopp last year dropped him in that spot out of necessity to change something that was just not working and to get him out of his own head at having to defend going backwards with his own back to goal because it was not working. And I feel like it worked in the microcosm. So we felt we had to do it again this year. Then we went out and bought a bunch of players that don't require that. And in some ways we decided to take what was our maybe our second best or third best most talented player. And like we've almost marginalized him to the point that he's just another guy. I just said I think we looked as good with Joe Gomez playing. But I think, you know, here's the thing.
0: Maybe he does not take pride or he does not see that as an accomplishment, and I can see why not of being a decoy or being somebody that the defense focuses on. And I think that's kind of like you know, you get that with Mo sometimes, you know. Sometimes you get you know, he's I mean, not, I don't decoy is maybe not the right word, but he gets so much attention and defenses focus so much on him, they might be able to stop him, but it opens stuff elsewhere. And I think if the midfield is doing so well right now. And Mac and like with you know with those passes, Kanata gets so much time on the ball to create. I think Van Dyke gets a lot more time to do those diagonals he loves doing. Mm-hmm. That's mainly because everybody's trying to figure out where Trent is. Keep an eye on Trent, keep an eye on Trent, don't let him get the ball, kind of a thing. And I know, but as a player, I can see, especially as a young player, I can see how he might not take as much pride or joy in that as opposed to corner taken quickly or, you know, crossing a ball to get the assist or cracking a shot as like a follow through in like, like Leicester game. I can see that and that's natural. I don't blame him for it. It's not as glorious. but at the same time as a, now that he's a vice captain, he just does have to understand that it's the group's success more than your success. But it is hard for a young player who got so much success and like you're saying, so many accolades and stuff like that. So much praise so early. It's almost kind of hard to take a step back
1: and be like, I got this thing working over here. And to be fair, you know, you mentioned Mo, and I think it's a really good analogy of how, like, sometimes Mo doesn't want to be the decoy. And let's be real. A couple years ago, Mo didn't like that. Yep. If Mo wasn't the number one focal, he, you know, it was he was a lot more selfish, in my opinion. I can say it. A couple years ago, those times when Mane was frustrated and they had the little tit-for-tats on the pitch, there were times where Mane was right. I don't know that the way he handled himself was right, but his actions for being frustrated were okay. Now, I think we've seen a change in that, though. I think we've seen an evolution to Mo's game where he's become more of a playmaker. Maybe it's he has more faith in the players around him. Maybe the manager told him, you know, we're not running everything through anymore. We got a you know, striker in the middle who scores goals. We got a poacher on the left. We got a winger. We got, you know, a Gakpo that's like a Bobby that just brings everything together. And we got Sobersly behind you and Gravin Birch yeah. And like, I think with Trent, it just comes down to the fact that it used to feel like the game plan was dictated around Trent's skills. And I feel like now the game plan is around a more diverse set of skills across the whole table and maybe exactly what you're saying is true they're actually asking Trent to play the role of decoy and I don't know that he's willing or confident enough in his own skin to feel like he's contributing when he's not on the score sheet or he's not influential because he's always questioned about his defending and he's a defender who plays in the midfield and midfield, you know like yeah. And when he doesn't know what his role is, he's just abject. And I think the scariest thing with Trent, and we've said this before, is when he doesn't look like he's engaged, Yes. doesn't look like he even wants to be there. And we're critical of Fernandez. We talked about it in the Premier League show, the Roy Keane comments. I'll be honest. There's going to be a moment where Liverpool has a really bad day at the office and he's the captain. And I'm not sure he's the guy to get us out of it. And I don't know why Klopp did it, but whatever his motivations were, if it was to motivate the player, I don't think it's working. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: Sparky says Trent seems disinterested for parts parcel of the games. And he does. And here's the – I guess the only thing is just needs patience because just like when we moved him in and he was suddenly like creating everything and people adjusted – I feel like they will have to readjust back now because teams are going to realize, hey, yeah, it's great. We're stopping Trent, but they got the Sobostai guy over here. They got to, yeah, we got to pay attention to these guys too. And that automatically opens up more things for Trent. So I think with that patience that will come, that's why more than performance, because I think that will change, like I say, as teams readjust and realize how deadly some of these other guys can be. And they can't just worry about Trent and Mo and forget about everybody else. Maybe they could in the past. They can't do that anymore. I'm hoping like down the road, that's why the body language worries me a lot more than performance. Because I think performance like ineffectiveness, like he was barely visible. That's fine and dandy. If the, you're the focus of defending and that will come back, you'll have more space. And the kid is ridiculously talented and has the vision. So he will do what he can do. But the body language part, until then, you got to keep your composure and you know, realize that, hey, we're still freaking winning. And that's all that matters kind of thing. I think that's what I kind of want to see from him. But let's see what happens. Like I said, I really think teams will adjust and then, you know, we'll go back to getting more of the trend that we're used to because he'll have more time on the ball. He really does not have much time on the ball. And I feel like the moment he gets it, he almost forces it knowing he's not going to get that moment again anytime soon. Whereas in the past, when he was on that right wing, they could go back and forth with Mo and, you know, Hendo and stuff like that. And he knew, you know, the ball is moving. I'm going to get it back and I have more opportunities to do something with it. He does not have that as much anymore.
1: Hey, Sparky's here. Can we not talk about Henderson right hand passes left to right (laughs) passing, please? We don't need to start that we don't need to get that going again just kidding
0: Sparky I, yeah I'm amazed there hasn't been a comment on that yet I'm sure he's typing maybe like he's eating at the same time so the typing is going slow or something
1: okay let's talk about Wednesday
0: real quick before we go uh, Bournemouth away um this is a little different right like when we talk about Europa and that's why I want to get your take on like what kind of a lineup you want to see I think with Europa we're okay with like full rotation That anybody and everybody, because it's six games, you're going to win the group either way kind of thing, whereas this is a totally different scenario. How much of a, do you want like a Europa lineup on this thing, if
1: you will, or do you want something slightly modified? No, I think we need a slightly modified lineup. Um, I would start Kelleher, though I will say I would like to see Kelleher make a save. Because I feel like every shot that's been on target since he won that cup final has basically hit the back of the net. And he doesn't look like the same keeper that he that he has in the past. So I, mm-hmm. I would like to see Kelleher in that. I would give the kid another run out here. I would start Kwanzaa and Matip at the back. Okay. Um, and I would start Gomez on the right, and okay. I think the Chambers kid deserves another start on the left.
0: Okay. And
1: I thought he was fine in the Europa League. Um, he wasn't great, but he was okay. Yeah. Sorry. And I and 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 I think Simicass was. Line on Saturday I, mean, at, Saturday, I was just gonna
0: say like I don't I can't even like think of a no, lot was, of things Costas did, but nothing negative either. So
1: that works. He he, he went forward a couple times. I would have liked to have seen him go. He he went a little Henderson on me. Kept passing the ball backwards. I was like, what are you doing? You have a great <laughs> left foot. Go at someone. But he I think he didn't want to make a mistake because he knew yeah. they weren't trying to go forward. So I'm 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 basically flipping out the entire back five from the start so i guess I I'm say, yeah you said no okay full change. Let's just roll. we'll change we'll changes uh and then i'm i'm starting endo and jones and elliot in the midfield
0: okay and who is up top
1: well i think up top you don't have a choice i think you start Gakpo, probably jota and either nunez or or i i don't you love the RG idea of as, like right wing maybe and you could and then what Ravensburg are you doing no. but I just feel like Gravenberg needs a little bit of a rest. I think McAllister probably needs a little rest. And I think Soboslav probably needs a little rest. Yeah. And so I think you got to do this. So maybe, maybe you just did it. Maybe it's Mo on the right. Let Mo go out and get his two freaking goals against Bournemouth. He scores every time you play him. Get him early. And you start Mo, Gakpo, and Jota up top. And then the three midfielders I said Jones, Elliott, Endo. And then the back of Kwanzaa, Matip, Gomez. Chambers and, and and Gomez. And with with all of that, it means Van dyke and Kanate are starting at the heart of the mid, at the heart of the defense, and McAllister probably in the six. Because
0: what do I, <laughs> which was that sort of thing I was going to ask. Would you rather <laughs> have him like in the midfield and up top? <clears throat> Excuse me. Like as we struggle to kind of like fill that up and like decide. Would you rather almost have him run out Soboslai out there and almost like put the, see if we can put the game away, get a bit more comfortable, then do the rotation? Or keep him in there just in case if things don't go well,
1: throw him in there in the 60th minute? So I, I think for Soboslai specific, I think you need to wrap that SOB in cotton. Because just like Robertson, every time he goes away on international duty, he plays every minute of every match and it's meaningful. He's the captain in training. He never gets an off day, just like Robertson never did. So I always said Robertson's minutes on international duty were never equal to like Henderson's minutes on international duty. Yeah. Because Robertson is asked to carry Scotland the way that Soboslai is asked to carry Hungary. So I think for Soboslai specifically, I think he has to sit and rest. I think Gravenberch needs a rest, but he's the one I would start of the three if I were going to give someone a run out and play Elliott up up at the top. I think to your point, I think we have to look at our competition, and I think Bournemouth has to rotate on the weekend. Like I think you're going to get Pats and Daka and not Solanke in this game because Bournemouth doesn't believe they can win four more games in the League Cup. They know four more wins in the league might actually keep them up. Like, exactly. Yeah. They just got their first win. I wouldn't be surprised if they literally send out kids to play us to the point where they almost throw up the white flag. See, I look
0: at the lineup. I mean, over what well, we did over the weekend, and if there's any sign of what we're going to do, if you can try to read Klopp. That's why I feel like like Jota will be out there, Gakpo will be out there. And I can see like Harvey being out there on the right wing and maybe get Gravenberg in the middle. And if things don't go well, you can always be like, How about some more and Nunes for you? And maybe with like Sobosli or something like that to kind of like get you what you need. But hopefully it will not come to that. Um, and I agree with you and when you say Bournemouth the win this weekend. Do you think that has any like does that was you know, we were just talking about we just recorded the Premier League show. And we talked about it there as well. That's like, you know, that three points is like nine points this year, the way the bottom of the league is. Do you think that result over there in any way affects their thinking in terms of how to approach this game? Because it's almost like we just won nine points. League is good.
1: I, maybe a little bit, but I think they're smart enough to know. I mean, they have a, a a set of fixtures in the league. These are the fixtures. They have to start accumulating some points. They had a brutal start to the campaign, to be fair to them, when they got their three draws. Yeah. Excuse me. So I I think they they see this as their time. They haven't played terrible football. If anything, they've been a little naive in the way they've played their football, which has kind of cost them some points at times, in my opinion, throughout the start of this year. I just think they have to rotate. And they just have so few players who can actually put the ball in the back of the net. I think you're on to something there. Maybe they do start with a – semi-strong team with the idea that we just have this stacked bench that if we have to, our five, just so you know, Bournemouth, our five subs are going to be Mo Nunez, yeah. you know, Virgil van Dyke, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Silva Slide. Yeah. And how do you like them apples? And they're going to be like, well, we're going to allow you to score three goals before you have to bring all those guys on anyways. I still think a team of Jackbo and Jota and Elliot, even a kid up top, I mean, should be able to go out there and score goals. And I still think our defense is strong enough to keep them out. And I think we'll come out for this one. I think we'll be up for this. It's a Wednesday afternoon. I think think the rotation will be heavy, but I think there'll be a semblance that looks every bit like the team that was playing on Sunday. Because if there's one thing I've noticed, when we're playing well, which has been all but maybe one match, Outside of Brighton, I can't really think of one where I was kind of like, meh, all year long. Chelsea, maybe, it seemed disconnected a little bit, right? It, it, but it was so early and we had so yeah, many new players. True. And to our point, right, we didn't have enough guys. They came in late in the season. But I think you're right. And let's be honest, how does Klopp set up for a team that he has no idea what to expect? Because yeah. that could have been a great Chelsea side and you have to play them like a top six and or they could be the Jekyll and Hyde that, you know, just spit the bit against Brentford and decide to send their keeper up and not have a defender back. Someone figure that shit out for me. Um, But I just, I looked at, I look at the way we played other than that Brighton match, we've had good performances in just about every single one of our matches. And I would expect that to happen again on Wednesday. I think it's kind of like permeating throughout the the side right now. It's just too bad. Like this is where having a healthy Tiago, Or helping Vashetic healthy. This is where that extra depth that we thought we were fostering would be so worth it. Or, like, if Carvalho were still here and hadn't asked to go out on loan and then literally play like a dog at the club he's at so he can't play. I mean, you know, like everyone's saying all the time, like, oh, this guy's did this. You see that goal he scored on loan? It's like, it'd be really nice if Carvalho was actually playing on loan. He's at a place like Leipzig that loves to play kids. He can't, get yeah, on the he can't get on the pill. He
0: can't get on the pill. Yeah, that says a lot by itself, doesn't it? Exactly. And I think the attitude part. And honestly, like, we have the death. Obviously, the ass situation, which is, like, I mean, unheard of. Uh, like, I've never, I don't think we've ever run into something like this. And I was speaking to my buddy uh, who's from Colombia, and he was even saying, like, you know, these things don't happen as much anymore. And I know, you know, the mom they have, but still searching for that i know like you know we were talking about it this morning show too i think that kind of affects. it's it almost feels like if we have a death issue more than the midfield now i don't know how the heck happened maybe and then hopefully like the kids like kate gordon and stuff like that and van Dok, obviously if he was healthy maybe we're missing that like a young winger that we can play and rotate because it feels like we have an easier time you know filling in the midfield in rotation with endo jones you know you can put harvey over there we almost like have an issue if you move harvey to the right wing but i feel like we can't rest still Mo, which we talked about in the beginning of the season too you don't have somebody to play that right wing especially since doke is out
1: what a world we live in that we have so many options at right? the midfield, that we don't know what to do with ourselves at liverpool yeah. football club um i don't disagree with you i i we've all said that mo Cover for Mo is our number one concern. Um, I'd still love to see just once, like, him put the sign up, you know, put the board up and have Mo's number to come off and, like, just watch Diaz move from the left to the right. Because we all assume, like, in a pinch, Diaz would go to the right if he needed to. But we've never – I think we've seen it once Mm -hmm. other than, like, when they interchange during matches. But, like – it would be nice just to see it, to think the manager actually believes this. Because if the manager believes Harvey Elliott and Ben Doak and Kai Gordon are his only cover for Mo, he better hope that Egypt is out of the AFCON by like the 15th of January. Because that thing goes until like late February. And if we really want to be in this to win it, it, and we know this, right? It ain't going to be buying a player on January 1st. That Klopp's going to play through the month of January in Mo's (laughs) spot and the most influential piece of our entire setup. Like, hey, yeah, just replace the guy who does um, everything. Everything,
0: yes. You're going to have to score and create. Got that? Go out there, kid. And that's the – and I think, you know, like we talked about this morning too, right, in the morning show, like, you know, who is the most important and stuff like that on this team. And, you know, we're talking about like Ali and Mo and stuff like that. But going forward, yeah, I mean, he – does a lot of stuff off the ball and we didn't get to talk to you know get a chance to talk about nunez as well but i felt like both of them this game and jota the front three did a lot of stuff off the ball to help these midfielders look good as well
1: best i've ever seen these three players play together for an extended period of time yeah and and i've been critical of of jota and nunez on the pitch at the same time yeah i don't love it um but I will say, you know, I've been an apologist for Nunez at times. I know we don't have much time left here. But I thought his I thought his composure in this match of just doing a job, and not just doing it and look like he was going through the motions, but doing his job from the runs he made yes. to the ways he dragged defenders to, you know, I don't think enough's being talked about, about how he took the shot that forced, Turner to palm the ball down like he took the shot the better chance for him to score a goal was to actually go near post and try to beat him up top off his right but he deliberately made it come across his body because he knew if it forced a save it would push the ball into an area and then a goal could be scored and yes it's easy for Maka and us to laugh and say like oh if he doesn't have to think about it he's not too dumb to miss it Getting his feet right as quick as he did in that spot when Soboslai whips the ball across the six yard box, you actually see him like open up his hips and get both of his yeah. feet right. That's the type of stuff we always talk about that you can't teach strikers. Like he misses tap ins, but you can't miss being in the right place. You either know to be there and you feel it or you don't. And he does feel that. So, like when he does things like that, I look at it and I'm like, like it's starting to click, and I don't want to get too excited because I'm not a non. But it's exciting times.
0: I mean, here's the thing: the kid has been put in an impossible position, and this is what media does, right? Like when he scored that goal, it was like, oh, I don't know how much Nunes knew about it. Well, that's the whole point, though, right? Uh, but if Holland does that, and you know, if you watch the City United game. Holland missed a, like a couple of ones that if Nunez misses that, the narrative is totally different. And I'm not comparing the two. I realize Holland does a whole lot to kind of maybe give him the benefit of the doubt because of his finishing so far. But he misses sitters as well. But if Holland scored the same goal Nunez did this week, the commentary is all oh, his reaction on the ball. How he, you know what he did? How you explained it? That will be the narrative when. Nunez does it right now. It just becomes like I don't know how much he knew of it, uh, but the ball was fizzed in there, like he and, was like a freaking like wall over there that the ball bounced off and went in. He adjusted to tap that thing in, easy, easy or not. Either way, him being able to do it, sadly, he's not going to get credit for those things until he does a, maybe a lot of it,
1: kind of like Holland. And and I get it, I get it. That's part of being foreign. That's part of the the. Tell me you know, about it, bro. Tell me about exactly. it. Exactly. You know. You know the drill. But it's it, it it is though. I mean, it's part of it. And and for whatever reason, even though Holland is foreign, you know, they remember these same English reporters remember his dad playing in England. They remember the leg break against United. They feel bad for like there's 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 a story behind Holland that's been there since he was a little dude. Yeah. Like people talked about how he grew up a Leeds supporter because his dad played at Leeds and like. That just lets you know. Could you imagine that like Vigo looking SOB with that long hair rooting for beats? You want to kick that kid right in the nut. Um but it it I just I think what it comes down to with, with Nunez was I think it was Matus. There was a moment in the second half where Darwin like gets tied up with a defender. The defender clearly just throws themselves to the floor. It, no, Darwin does nothing, doesn't touch the guy. Yep. And the announcer, the color commentator, goes right in on like just a ridiculous moment by Darwin Nunez. No need to do that. And I remember Matouche right in Discord being like, Darwin doesn't touch him. He turns the guy, the guy flops because he knows he's about yep. to get run down. And this announcer, instead of just saying, Great sell job by the center back right there, Darwin Nunez was about to out, you know, outclass him with his pace it's just like just a ridiculous foul by the yeah. you know uruguayan hot head who you know cheers on his own goals and 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 with the big fun. and then they like trivialize the little things he does so it's like no wonder why the player is such a is so ostracized on everything he does it's it's always in lights a miss huge problem a goal well he's supposed to make those like yeah it, it it doesn't matter what he does. He makes a tap-in, it's not good enough. He makes a worldie, it's kind of lucky. He misses a sitter, he's never going to be good enough to earn this money. When ultimately, his underlying stats say he's been yeah. a huge success. Like a a, a unworked yes. success. Yes, <laughs> but and I like- think it's a vicious cycle, right?
0: Because of that ridiculous commentary, it almost feels like, we're a lot more over-defensive, not a non-level defensive, but we're still like over-defensive, right? And then that triggers even more media reactions. So it's like a vicious cycle. and I think until he kind of does it consistently to basically shut people up, uh, and I don't know when that will happen, um, but I think that's what's going to stop that, and people are going to realize that. Otherwise, yeah, like Brian says, it's just typical media. This is what they do. But before we go, it's always prediction time bournemouth away
1: cup game what you got i'm coming off the special damn i'm calling for a clean sheet 2-0 and it's really 2-0 it's not that close but it's 2-0 mainly because we do heavy rotation and i just think it takes a little time to get going uh but i'll go 2-0 they win move on and i'll say it right now i think i don't know why i feel like we win this title we win this cup we win this competition. I think it's really important because I think it could be it could be the galvanizing moment for this team to lift a trophy together in like February and yeah. hopefully spurn them on for what they need the second half. because we can all say mentality monsters all we want. This is a new side. It's a new team. It's got new captains, it's new everything. And I think winning a trophy, letting Virgil pick up that trophy, celebrating at Wembley. I think it can go a real long way for us, like, challenging for the league and possibly winning the Europa League title as well, which I think is a real goal for this side right now. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, winning
0: brings more winning, and this 2.0 version has to start getting some stuff
1: regardless of what it
0: is. But Alan is going for 0-4. I'm thinking he's doing, like, the away score ordeal over there and having us win 4-0, I hope uh Shelton is going with the Timuchin special and you know what my special is back baby Uh, I went with the 4-1 over the weekend I'm bringing the special back the house special Timuchin special 3-1 I only feel like we don't keep the clean sheet just because of when we rotate so much there's always some kind of weird disconnect that causes a situation where we get scored on and kind of like you mentioned earlier too I have full confidence in K. he's not the guy he's not the killer that we had last year and i don't know fair or not maybe we don't see a lot of him. but i just don't feel as confident with him in goal as i used to i know he's not going to make those like alley saves that's you know flips a game on his head but still it just does not give that comfort when a bowl
1: towards our goal i worry as opposed to being confident He used to look like a starting goalkeeper. Like two years ago when we were in those runs, I never once would have questioned that he wouldn't have done what Matt Turner did and get himself a job to start in the Premier League. And really those offers didn't come in. The league offers we got were from outside of the country. We're in the championship. He didn't want to take the pay cut clearly, which I don't blame him. You're a professional, but you know, I don't see anybody arguing in Discord anymore whether or not he should be the Ireland starting goalkeeper if he's not even getting called up for Ireland during senior cap appearances. yeah, He's I, getting passed over at this point. And, you know, there were clubs offering $30 million for a backup keeper, and we turned it down because we thought we'd get more because he was coming off a huge year. And I think we'll be lucky this offseason, and I do think he gets sold this summer. I think we'll be lucky to get 10 or $15 million. I, I think, think he has dropped down to the Matt Turner-like $10 million offer for a team that might stay up.
0: But you never and, know. I mean, like I say, he will get – the good news is I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities to maybe change that narrative. But, you know, we will see. Uh, it's it, We'll see if he keeps saying it's a great opportunity for Calher and replace Ox maybe in that narrative. But – That's for another Monday. That's it for us this week. Uh, Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back Wednesday morning with The Morning Show brought to you by Reckless Coffee. So we'll catch you guys then. Take care.